Hey everyone, this is Dylan. And this is Fortune, also known as a restless mind on YouTube. And welcome to episode 20 of Cinescussion, where we are going to be discussing classic movies that may not be considered classics yet, but we have a pretty good idea they're going to be in a few years' time. Yes, this was actually a great prompt from you, and um, when you said it, I was like, that's something I never would have thought of, and that actually does seem kind of fun. And I had to suddenly go through all of these films over the last like decade or so, uh, 10, 15 years, and I'm like, God, what would be a classic? So, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, I know uh, you, I, you, we were just talking before the podcast, and you had a really great description for what would make a classic movie. When you said it, I was looking at all of my lists, and I was like, I think these all fall in that. But what yeah. was your description again? Yeah, because I was like, I even Googled like what makes a film a classic, and there were multiple descriptions that I found. But one I think that, that kind of seems to fit almost every film that's a classic that I know of. Um, so I would go with that one. It's basically films that kind of withstand the test of time, not only because they're very well-made movies and they were well-liked by the public, but they're, things, they're films that typically have subject matter that is universally interesting and worth coming back to. Even years later, it's still very relevant or it still was very relevant for its time. So it's a good time capsule or it's still relevant today. You know, it has subject matter in it that, that kind of withstands the test of time. You know? Yep, yep, for sure. No, I totally agree with that. And I'm happy that you use that description because, like I said, I was going over my list and I was like, yeah, these all fall in that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, I, and when I read all these descriptions, there were some that were okay, but I felt like that description, when I thought of like every famous film that's considered a classic now, that literally fit every single one of them pretty much. And I was like, yeah, that seems like the most accurate description. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I don't have any order to my list, but I feel like when I go down mine, I'm going to probably try to make it from like most obvious to least obvious is that, kind of how I want to run mine. That's kind of what I'm going to do as well. Mine are kind of in that order already. There might be one that's out, but I, yeah, like the last three, I guess are interchangeable, but I feel like the first four. Yeah. Or, and I'd say first four, but it's technically first five, but I'm going to talk about two together. So yeah. yeah. Okay, <laughs> cool. Well, let's kick this thing off, man. Do you want to, do you want to have the honors of number one? Sure. Okay. So the first one is a film that I have to admit I only saw once. I saw it once in theater. It was a masterpiece. And so I really need to watch it again, but I never stopped thinking about it. And that was Her. Her uh, I love that movie. Dude, Her, not only is it brilliantly directed, like, I mean, gorgeously directed, go the cinematography, the color palettes, Joaquin Phoenix's performance, even um, Scarlett Johansson's vocal performance, everything was mm -hmm. so well crafted for that film. So on that level, it's just a 10 out of 10. But I feel like the subject matter is um, what I wrote here is that it's a masterpiece with a hardcore focus on the human condition, loneliness, artificial intelligence, and the reality of love and connection across various supposed boundaries. And I kind of feel like it's a film that it does focus on loneliness, but it also, when, when I mentioned the human condition, I just feel like that's really relevant because it even gives that to the AI to the point where the AI has her own personality and her own needs and wants as well. And you're watching these, these, these two beings fall in love with each other and it's very genuine. And I actually felt like the ending wasn't actually what I thought it was going to be. I was very surprised, but even the AI, like a person grows and needs other things just like people do. And I just feel like, we're moving closer and closer to a world where this doesn't even seem far-fetched. Like there are yeah. a lot of people, there are a lot of people that are lonely. Some people find connections, some people don't. And I also feel like this idea that loneliness can be filled with another form of life too. Like it's, it's just a really interesting concept. And I also felt like it kind of um, really 
delves into humanity even more so from the AI's perspective, which is really interesting, like this analysis of human beings and like what they crave and need. Um, and I just feel like it mixed so many things in the same world and talks about so many things, both both vividly and subtextually, that I feel like it's a film you can come back to 20, 30 years from now. Not only would it be just as beautifully made and moving, but the subject matter would still be relevant and it'd probably be even more relevant then, <laughs> to be yeah. honest. It's, I feel like it's going to be one of those films that are going to go, oh my God, this movie was so ahead of its time. Like, you know what I mean? I really do think so. Like. Yeah, and you know, Joaquin Phoenix has been my favorite actor since probably the master, well, living actor, I should say. And what I really loved about her was not only you get a really sweet kind of realistic performance from him, but what made her stand out so much to me was often his characters in his movies kind of are the really loud, exuberant, not necessarily loud, but definitely they stand out from the world in a way to where he's the thing that's usually portrayed as abnormal or wild or crazy. But in that movie, his actual situation is the abnormal thing. And he's just playing this everyday guy and he does it so well. And you just kind of buy into him so quickly and you want him to be happy at the end of the movie. You really do something unusual. Um, And I think it was, it's been a long time since we've been able to see something grounded like that from him. And it's, it's been a little bit since, well, there was that movie that came out last year. Um, it was Oscar nominated that I wanted to see a black and white film about him taking care of a young child. Um, I can't oh, remember the I name of it, but it, it seemed like another one of those performances. And I really wanted to see it because of that. But her was the first time I saw that. And I was like, God, this guy is awesome. He could do it all. Yeah, he, he, he really can. I don't think I've ever seen him give a bad performance. In fact, I've seen him in films that I thought were okay, but he was magnificent. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> like, like for real, he, he, he always is great. Like, um, and he, his character also had a very unique look and stuff in that film too, which the was stash. Just, yeah, the stash the on stash. him, like and everything, and his demeanor. He 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 was such a person that always made himself smaller in every mm-hmm. way, and and it's kind of sad because he's a person that really deserves love, and he's kind of a wonderful person, but he makes himself smaller in, in every situation, and you almost feel like, well, we'll. we'll you know you almost like understand it's like like you're probably not going to be the one that finds someone when you make yourself smaller in every situation you out of your own anxiety you do everything to not be seen yet but all you want is to be seen and to be loved and and i think a lot of people can kind of relate to that too so um yeah yeah i just feel like it's something that's not gonna not the subject matter is not going to go away it's going to be relevant and i think we're going to have a lot of things to figure out as if we survive everything (laughs) and if we move (laughs) forward with tech and everything um Mm -hmm. you know barring russia stop doing what you're doing uh but uh like hope we're still here um (laughs) but yeah but yeah like it's i think it's something that we're constantly going to be having to adapt to the world and figure out as technology advances as we do as living situations advance like there's going to be a lot of new hurdles just moving forward and i think this movie tackles the future that seems like a great future but it can still show certain human um, situations that still remain and haven't changed. And I think that is going to be something that's very common and a lot of people can relate to for probably hundreds of years to come. Like so, Yeah, I totally agree. Um, well, my first movie also has to do a little bit with technology. And actually, you know, I tried to uh, 
I tried to stick to a rule with my list of only doing one movie per director, and I kind of broke that rule a little bit later. And I almost broke it twice because uh, you'll know what I say after this. I was going to say that I feel like Gone Girl will be a classic. That was in... that was going to be on mine, and I didn't put it because I picked another film from you his picked, too. You picked the Social Network, didn't you? I did, and I knew that was so gonna, I. I knew I knew yeah. that was going to be one that overlapped because not only is it a masterpiece, <laughs> but it will be relevant for you know years to come, and it's like the beginning of the social media revolution that we've all, yeah i get it like i yeah. that was one of the two that i was certain we were gonna pick and i wanted yeah. gone girl too by the way and i was like that's like cheating like, I what, like you know i always pull up a list of movies i want to talk about and like their imdb pages before we start and i literally like when i was setting up for the podcast i typed in gone girl and then i was just looking at it and i was like nah yeah. <laughs> like yeah. i wish but yeah. i mean Dude, it may be it may be a classic in time yeah. but definitely the social network it's gotta yeah. be if not the strongest in the top two to three strongest movies of the past, well, the 2010s, 2010 to 2020, I think well, it's probably easily. easily. It's got to be the most well-made movie of that de- uh, that time. There's, it is. yeah, you know. So, um, for anyone who hasn't seen it, um, it is uh, very loosely based on the true story of Mark Zuckerberg in the beginning of Facebook, but and um, and the Winklevoss twins and the Winklevoss twins because they, yes. they've now come out with things like Gemini for crypto and stuff, so they're doing well. But yeah. <laughs> Right, right, right. But, uh, more so, it's a, it's about a, a two friends, one played by Jesse Eisenberg, who plays uh, Mark Zuckerberg, and one played by uh, Andrew Garfield, who plays uh, Eduardo, uh, what was his last name? Um, is Eduardo, is it Suarez or what? I don't remember. Actually, help. no. Help. Help? All right, I'm going to look it up for you while you talk. You <laughs> thank go ahead you, and talk. Thank you. You go ahead um, and talk. And it really follows the story of how they really kind of accidentally come into million, uh, billions of dollars and revolution revolution uh, oh my goodness long revolutionize <laughs> the way that uh that we communicate with each other um Eduardo kind- Saverin Saverin thank you thank you you're welcome um and it very much follows it starts to follow a rise and fall story but it's a rise and the fall kind of only happens in his personal life there's not much of a personal fall there but it's about a kid who continued to do what he thought he needed to do. He was always antisocial. He was always kind of a jerk. And now because he kind of accidentally fell into something, loosely I say accidentally because it was built, but not in the way that he intended. Now he feels that he deserves all the accolades and kind of how that makes his life fall apart a little bit socially. Yeah. Um, the irony, and, like the, the yeah. antisocial person builds the social network. It's such a great juxtaposition in life. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And um, I mean, you know, a lot of movies you could tell often when when they're going for the awards. But this movie, it feels that way. It feels incredibly well made. It feels incredibly well shot. It's written by Aaron Sorkin. It's one of the most incredible yeah. scripts that um, I, I've seen on film in a very long time. But this movie feels like it was put together for all the accolades. And it... it deserves every single one of them yeah like i mean pairing one of the best screenwriters of our generation with one of the best if not arguably the best director of our generation it's pretty that's a pretty strong combo even on paper (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know like it's like yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) and uh jesse eisenberg has been playing this character ever since It's true. Even even as Lex Luthor is very right. like his Mark Zuckerberg performance. Like, right. I feel like even though I actually really like Jesse Eisenberg, I will I say that Jesse Eisenberg pretty much always is Jesse Eisenberg. It's kind of like Jack Nicholson. You love him, but he's found a way to ma- most of the time 
make all of his characters kind of him, or at least later it became that way. Earlier in his career, it wasn't. But like, yes, just like I feel like Morgan Freeman, you love him, but he's he's Morgan Freeman. You know? Right. <laughs> it's like I feel like that's kind of Jesse Eisenberg. Like he's you hire him when you want Jesse Eisenberg as that character. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, in a lot of ways. So far, but, anyway, um, so far. I mean, Andrew Garfield absolutely brings oh, it in this movie. Dude. He steals like every scene. Justin Timberlake he, he does. is amazing too. Yeah, um, this was the first movie where I was like, I like Justin Timberlake. Like, I loved yeah. his music, but as an actor, I was like, I, he's all right. I don't right. really love him. But this movie, I was like, whoa, okay, never mind. He's gotten a lot better. He's good, you know. I think this one down came down to uh, to casting. I'm sure Fincher had a huge kind of hand in that, and he really saw the actors he wanted for these characters. And yeah, man, it, it's funny because it feels. Um, it feels super dramatized. It feels incredibly dramatic, a little bit Shakespearean, but at the same time, you're dealing with people in sweatpants and eventually button-ups who are <laughs> sitting in crowded rooms coding. Yeah. You know what I for mean? Sure, for sure. And um, I would. Also, I also feel like a, a under uh, just something. Um, I feel like an undervalued aspect of this film that is not talked about enough is the editing. The editing mm -hmm. in this film was magnificent. I mean, the way th there are scenes in this film where it cuts between three timelines simultaneously and it somehow does not make it feel jarring and it makes it feel so succinct and like it's all meant to be that way. It, that is hard to do. That That's clearly planning from the director and the editor and like working together, you know, yeah. in that post-production. It was magnificent. It's one of the best edited films I have ever seen. Like it is up there. Like, yeah. I agree, and I think uh, even for this to be a toss-up, it wasn't only Gone Girl that I was tossing up between. I Me also too. was tossing Zodiac in there, but I felt it was a okay. little too old that it could already be considered a classic. For me, um, it was Gone Girl and Seven, actually. But I, seven but as I well. Thought, but, I, yeah. but I thought Sun Seven's already considered a classic. It's already considered one of the best like serial killer thriller, thrillers of all time, I think. So I, I, that seemed like, yeah, it's not going to work. Right. So, <laughs> I mean, if, if you're comparing the, the movies that we just mentioned, uh, he's clearly... <laughs> one of the best in the game. So yeah, I can't wait for yeah. anything that David Fincher puts out. Except, you know, shame on me. I haven't seen Mank yet on uh, on Netflix. It's I haven't either. List, but I haven't got around to it. I'm sure I'll. I like. haven't either. And also a lot of people on the podcast and some of my friends know, ironically, uh, Quentin Tarantino is one of my favorite writers and directors of all time. He is my favorite writer director. And none of his films actually made my list though. <laughs> No <laughs> which is kidding. Which is interesting. Like, because, like, when I was thinking about it, like, this list would be a lot longer and some of his would make it on. But if there was just eight that I want to talk about, interestingly enough, as much as I love them, um, I Pulp Fiction could easily, but Pulp Fiction's already considered a classic. So right. of his newer of his newer movies, I think many of them, including Django Unchained, would be a classic. But like for some reason, I didn't put them on this list. So um, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know why, but I didn't. So <laughs> I did. But I'm not going to tell you which one. <laughs> Django! <laughs> we will get there. Um, yeah, but that's my first one. I love The Social Network. I've I've seen it a handful of times. And for it to be um, strictly uh, a two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour drama, um, it mm -hmm. remains engaging all the way through. There's not a moment of that movie that feels boring, and I think it's sure. practically perfect. I, I think it is perfect. I, I think it's one of the most, I, I'm with you. I think it's one of the most yeah. perfectly mov movies ever made. Like most masterpieces still have flaws, but you're mm -hmm. fine with those flaws. This is a movie that I don't know if I found any flaws. <laughs> like it, mm -hmm. it's, it's like, like it's rare that you say there's a movie that's flawless. It is one of them that I've seen at least five times. And I, every time I watch it, I'm more intrigued by it. Like I'm just more intrigued by how good it is. Like, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's magnificent. Like um, it really is. So 
that was that's why that was one i was like i bet you were both gonna pick this one yeah you were saying that and i'm like i'm sure it's gonna be like a movie because we both obsess over every day and the moment you said i tried i tried to not pick two from the same director you said gone girl i was like i knew it so exactly. it's gonna be social network i knew it yeah because that was gonna be one of mine too because uh, the funny thing is even though i think social network is arguably a better movie i like social network and gone girl equally like i love them to me they're both gone, 10 yeah. out of 10 i love gone and girl I, too yeah it's uh yeah Okay, so you did the social network. So here's one that now one of these I think would probably be on your list too, and this one's going to be interesting to me because for by the rules that I set up earlier in terms of what they talk about, and I feel like the one that's less popular technically should be more of a classic because when you come back to it, what it does is universal and will always be something worth watching out for. So mm-hmm. I'm going to say both of these though, both Midsummer and Hereditary. I think hereditary, I hereditary on mine. Yeah, I, yeah, I think yeah. hereditary is going to be a classic because it is exceptionally well made as well, but it was the more popular movie. It was the more yeah. accessible movie of the two. Yep. But by the definitions of coming back to a subject matter, something that's relevant for years to come, I feel like Midsummer knocks all of those out of the park in terms of like yep. Not only is it masterfully made, but it puts you like the viewer is actually the perspective is almost like you're watching this and you're being manipulated by the cult along with everyone else. Even though you actually get to see everything that's happening by the end of the film, most people still have this odd feeling where you're kind of happy for her, which is odd because you shouldn't be. The ending is a tragedy, but (laughs) you're kind of happy for her because you've slightly been manipulated by all of the incidents that occurred (laughs) and then you end up hating another human being who you're totally fine with dying most of us are exactly. even though like, even though we shouldn't be because he's yep. just a garbage human though like you know what i mean we like, got subverted, like yeah when you get subverted like like the fact that it, it, it's it's a total master class and first of all this director loves cults if you, mm-hmm. you've seen hereditary as well but Don't it is we a master class in manipulation and how it's almost like a really great inner working of how cults work and it's secretly does a little bit of what they do most of them on you as a viewer and it's something that i think is always worth coming back to because there are always going to be cults and fringe groups and all kinds of things throughout history i mean i'm not trying to be rude but every religion that exists let's be honest it started as a cult and then it evolved and got grew and more people actually did believe in it and thought it was more real and and, you know they become something bigger than that but like Mm -hmm. everything starts small some things end up doing good things some don't but the point is that like knowing what you're looking at and what you're experiencing when it starts happening to you, I think is important because those same kind of mannerisms work, for instance, in marketing and advertisement too. This isn't just significant to these, but these kinds of manipulations in many ways kind of exist across the spectrum and many people use these practices. So it's really good to watch because there are many red flags that will start popping up in your brain the more you know about this stuff. Um, and, And because I've researched this heavily, I'll be honest, just because I love psychology and stuff. When I was watching this movie, I was enthralled from the first 20 minutes, and I was already pretty sure I knew where it was going. Like, in the first 20 minutes, I knew exactly what was going to happen and how this was going to turn. And the funny thing is, it didn't ruin anything. Like, everything yeah. was just just as good. Like, there was no, like, oh, I figured this out, now this is boring. It's like, no. It was still marvelous all the way through. <laughs> like, yeah, and I, in fact, it just made it more impressive, because I'm like, I'm watching you do this to me, I'm accepting it because I get it already, but I'm down and you're so impressive with how you're doing this. And by the end, I'm like, you are good. You know, <laughs> like yeah, for real, yeah. it, it's fascinating. Like totally. I think, um, I mean, the <laughs> trick in that movie is what's, what's pretty cool is right out the gate. Once you meet, uh, 
the the friend of the main character who eventually yeah. indoctrinates her into this cult. Um, there's immediately red flags. It's immediately shady. You know everything's about to go bad. Yeah. But the trick is that her current friend group is so emotionally cruel. Like well, at right at from the beginning. Her boyfriend is. Her boyfriend, her boyfriend is, is sure. but I mean, yeah, the other friends aren't like directly emotionally cruel, but they are. Yeah. They're certainly not helpful. No, you know what no, I mean? no. They're uh, they're just kind of there, and they don't. They never intervene or any of those things. No. So it's watching this person who you know is going towards something that's like evil, but it's also a lot warmer than what she's dealing with. <laughs> sadly, you know, sadly, yeah, yeah, exactly. So you're like, I mean, if that's if the choice is between the two, then the, you know it might be a better choice and, in the situation. And, that's and presented if you think about it, that's how it is in real life. Not all the time, yeah. but a lot of times, people from troubled backgrounds or who've been through a lot sometimes are considered easier targets by some of these people because you know you show people love that have been through a lot of pain, and they tend, you know, not always, but. It's easier. It makes them more susceptible because, you know, like, like, and it's kind of awful. Like, but if you think about it, the way the story is written, it's very similarly. Like, what you're describing is exactly, mm-hmm. like, you know, like it, it's it's sad, but it's true. Like, they do that a lot to people. So, yeah, uh, you're you're right on the money. Like for real. <laughs> like, yeah. Um. The only reason I didn't put Midsummer, well, two reasons. One, I was trying to stick to my uh <laughs> to my one per director rule, and yeah. two, oftentimes. I think it's really rare, especially in uh, 2022, that we see something. Uh, I'm not saying this, so I want to say it. Um, what I'm trying to say is, even though Midsummer is kind of a, a kind of follow up in Ari Aster's very art house kind of version of a, a cult movie, like The Wicker Man or yeah. something along those lines. It had a lot of Wicker Man vibes, yeah, for sure. Yeah, the that genre does not have nearly as much popularity or as much of a following as a classic haunting or possession movie. You're so when I think Midsummer, I think that I think heavy cult classic, like I think people who love those movies will love this movie, yeah. but I don't know if it'll be looked back as much as hereditary as like a genre piece. That's a, that's a classic, you know, even though it deserves yeah. it. Like it I, is don't, that I, I, I don't disagree with you. That's why I said them both together, because that's yeah. why I started by saying legit, like I'm sure hereditary will be because it was definitely the more popular one, but I feel like mm-hmm. by the definition midsummer should be, but I don't think it's not as guaranteed. Like, like hereditary, I yeah. think for sure will be because it was a film that was just as good, but it was actually more popular, you know, and like, like it was yeah. quite popular among the horror circles. It's talked about all the time. Like, yeah. So. And then the, the only other reason that hereditary kind of got the leg up for me is because like, like many other classics, it has that powerhouse performance from Tony Collette where it does. Um, it does. Florence Pugh is incredible in, in Midsummer too. She's phenomenal, but she doesn't, her character doesn't have that kind of explosiveness that Tony Collette gets throughout. throughout no, her, her character is more muted, muted and traumatized really in that thing. So she kind of, she, yeah, she, she's definitely a lot more muted, but it, I mean, because of her character, it works, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Um, and then I just hope, I, I don't think Ari Aster, I don't think his next movie is going to be a horror movie, but if he just wants to do one more to make this little <laughs> Ari Aster kind of trilogy, I wouldn't be mad. I'm just saying, well, the, take the my money. Yeah, the other one that's like Aster, uh, the other one that's like Aster, that's amazing, kind of like that is Eggers and Northman. I'm I'm ready, man. Like <laughs> I'm ready, bro. Um, He's venturing into a different kind of movie too. I'm like, ooh, ooh, let's go. Like, let's see this. Yeah, yeah, but I do know um, Ari Aster's next movie. Um, 
It's it's called Disappointment Boulevard. I don't know what it's about, but it's starring Joaquin hmm. Phoenix. So just take my money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually hadn't looked into what his next movie was, so that's interesting. I'll have to yeah. look into that. Yeah, that should be Phoenix pretty cool. Now. Um, yeah, shout out to Hereditary and Midsummer. Um, for sure. God, I love for those sure. movies. Fantastic. All right. movies. So, uh, by the definition of being, um, what was the piece of classic cinema that had to do with the uh, relatability or dialogue that you'd mentioned? There was a piece uh, when you were describing classic movies, uh, or maybe it just had to do with uh, continuing to be relevant decade yeah, after decade. Yeah, continuing to be relevant even in the modern era. Yeah, like or, or or worth coming back to because it's a time capsule of that time. That's good to when you come back to you learn about the zeitgeist at that time. Like, yeah. Or fuck all that, <laughs> Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> by the way that was actually going to be on my list too and i was like i was literally like i've already picked like seven or eight films we need to make sure we can finish this in like an hour so yeah but that was definitely it's it's the best action movie in the last probably 15 years like 10 easily like it's dude i watched this (laughs) a few months ago i think maybe out of all the movies on my list this is probably the one i've seen the most times and it is the most incredible piece of action filmmaking I think I have ever seen. Um, yeah. Every time I watch it, I'm like, I'm surprised there's not like a list of how many people died making this movie. I know. <laughs> like, like, every time I watch it, like, and I've literally looked up how they accomplished this, and I still don't believe it's mm-hmm. real. Like, I still yeah. don't. I'm like, you guys literally just brought cars into the desert. Wasn't it and like a six-year production? Yeah, yeah, it was, like it was a, a six-year six production. Like, yeah. like, and then it was in post longer. If you saw the original posters, it was very desaturated and typical apocalyptic. And in post, yeah. they decided to go a totally different direction and come up with this yeah. beautiful, vibrant color grade. And then the day for night scenes, the way they did that was all post too. So it was like this whole negative, uh, negative thing from the sky, and then they turned that into. It was fascinating. Like, like you totally mm-hmm. did a revamp of the visual style in post, and usually that's bad but in this case you did it so yeah but usually in this case you did it so well you made it more of a masterpiece than it probably would have been (laughs) it's it's visually stunning like it is it is and the fact that he centered everything he's like screw your stupid compositional (laughs) rules about right and left thirds i like everything in the center you know why because then when you cut everything always matches and it does (laughs) and it still looks beautiful (laughs) like it's like it's just like so non-traditional. It was fantastic. And honestly, yep. Tom Hardy's great, but I love that it ends up being a Furiosa story. And she's yes. always great. I love Charlize Theron. So like, I just, yeah, like it has all the elements. That is a fucking great movie. Man. Yep. Them just leering at each other and grunting <laughs> angrily while jumping on top of motor tankers while grenade <laughs> spears are being thrown as someone plays a flamethrower guitar at Dude, yeah that was, that was one of my, yeah the, the flamethrower guitar was wild straight it's not even like it has downtime for no, two hours no. it starts out absolutely insane like that really fast jumpy cut yeah. shaky head insanity yeah and, and, like, Jun- and Junkie XL's score was great. That song, yeah. what is it, Brothers in Arms? Like, I think I had that song on replete for like three weeks after I watched that movie. <laughs> like... Yeah. And for having uh, so little dialogue, Tom Hardy and Charlize Theron play so well off each other, which is funny because yeah. I was just reading something that they oh, yeah. couldn't stand each other on set. <laughs> yeah, I did too. I tell because like, they, like... they acted very yeah, well together. It was did. awesome. Like, I think yeah. the report said like he came to set late a lot or something and then she was upset about things. And yeah, it seemed like right. they were not getting along. Long, but like they they definitely i think the scenes where they're mad at each other is probably really great right. 
Like this is working. This is working. Yeah, this, this um, is working. I am sad to hear that uh, Shirley's Theron won't be in the sequel. I guess it's Me a too. prequel to the Furiosa story, and Anya Taylor Joy, I think, is one of the great talents that that's really I rising do. right now. So I think she's, I think she's great. I, I do. I just love casting. I just love Charlize. Yeah. But Charlize Theron, especially as Furiosa in this role, yeah, I want to see more of that. Me too, dude. Yeah. I totally like. She's and she's been kicking ass lately. Lately, she's been doing all these films where like she does action scenes and does like almost all of her own stunts, and she's yeah, awesome, she's dude. Badass, like the dude. old guard and Atomic Blonde. Like she's kicking ass, bro. Like I, uh-huh. I love her. She's awesome, man. Yeah, and she's so, a great actress too. Like she's yeah. she's a great actress. She really is. You know what movie I need to see of hers that I've actually never seen? That's I think it's like her most popular movie is Monster, where she plays the serial killer. Yeah, so that's a film I've seen all of like the key scenes from it, but I haven't seen the whole film either. I need to watch it. So yeah, I think it's, it's on it's on one of the streaming platforms. I passed okay. it a couple weeks ago. That's what made me think of it. I was like, ah, I never watched that before. Isn't it her and Christina Ricci? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I always like Christina Ricci too. Like I can't Same. help. It. You know what's a movie with her? It was a little sleeper that no one talks about. I thought it was wild and fun. Which Black one? Snake Moan. That shit was wild. The scene that's that a shot, crazy movie. Yeah, because she's like a, a nymphomaniac, and like the scene where he has her locked away to try to stop her from having sex to help her, and uh-huh. that salesman or whatever comes by, and uh-huh. they film it almost like a monster movie scene where like <laughs> she gets in the pants come down, she wraps her legs around him, and the door shuts like a monster movie. Yeah. It's yep. so good. I remember, like, really what movie. is this movie? But I couldn't stop watching it. It was so fun. It was just a fun movie, man. I actually have to look up when that came out. I don't even, yeah. 2006. God, that it was, so was a long time ago, wasn't it? Yeah, we're getting old, we're getting old man. <laughs> wasn't that a long time ago? It was one of those movies that was randomly on, I think, the movie shelf, a Hollywood video or whatever. And I was just like, yeah, I'll just take that home. And I, expect, <laughs> I expected to not think it was going to be great. And I could not stop watching it. I was like, this is like a fun, wild, weird, pretty well-made movie from what I remember. <laughs> like I was just yeah. like, man, that was crazy. Yeah, um, and funny enough, Mad Max is everything that the social network is not. Throw all nuance <laughs> and kind of subtlety and interesting dialogue out the window. It is amazing for every other reason. <laughs> you're not, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. But it is magnificent, though. Like in its own, like, like, like I would say the direction and like the visual style. And honestly, that film probably has the best stunt work of all time. Like, like it, it right. is. Like the stunt work, like you said, it's unbelievable. It's wild. Like seeing the behind the scenes, it is just wild. Only, and I think he went and filmed it in Australia, and I think yep. it's because you probably wouldn't be allowed to do a lot of that exactly. stuff here. Exactly. Hell no. <laughs> they were like, hell no. There's no insurance company in the world that will cover this film. <laughs> exactly. He's like, it will be fine. <laughs> I just hope we get the second one. Yeah, maybe. Did it ever get into production, or is it still pre-production? I don't. Last I had heard, it was pre-production. But I mean, this film took. Like what was it like from inception to come out? It was like eight years or something, I think total. Because like, so it might it might take a while. I hope he's still here. I hope it's not like a George R. R. Martin where it's like in post and he's working on it. We're like, please let this come out before something happens. To you. I know. <laughs> like, Winds of winter. I, I know. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry, bro. Viol- viol- violin's playing right now. I swear. I'm exactly. so sorry. I hope One you get day. it. I hope you get Jeez. it. He's busy doing Elden Ring too. Oh. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> I enjoy that too. <laughs> Me too. It's fantastic. What's next on uh, your list? Uh, next on my list was actually Moonlight. Hell Barry, yeah. Yeah, Barry Jenkins. Um, kind of crazy that that's his first movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, absolutely insane. 
Um, I think one of the reasons this one stick, stuck out to me like very quickly with this list and like the parameters is because like, I mean, not that it really matters for the subject matter, but like I'm mixed, I'm half black, mm -hmm. half white. And in the black community, it's not something that's really talked about a lot, you know, in, in films. So the idea of making a film like um, with, within that world and talking about like being like a gay man from like that kind of area and like mm -hmm. kind of like um, trying to put on that kind of front and be a certain way and not really having people to talk to about it. And, you know, just like just moving through all of those things, um, the film managed to really do it in a way that was like it never feels exploitative or judgmental it just feels honest which is really rare and hard to accomplish in a film you know what i mean mm -hmm. um and the fact that it was his first film was wildly impressive it's just um it's so well directed too like like, like some of his some of the ideas um from what i read were he had some ideas that, that were on the spot like he had whole shot list planned out and then there were moments on the spot where he just had this feeling like one of the i think one of the most interesting cuts in that film is when he's talking about his mom and it cuts to like this POV shot where she's looking straight at the camera. So like suddenly it's like the audience, you are the kid and she's looking at you as mm -hmm. she says these things. And I'm told that those were all like um, in the moment decisions. Those weren't planned, you know? Um, yeah. And he, and he just found this way to kind of capture this really beautiful story. Um, and also I think one another thing that was really magnificent about it is, you know, cause people, you know, th this is kind of a subject matter that's very important to a lot of people. And there's a lot of people that are actually getting, uh, you know, films about the subject matter now because they should, you know, they're part, we're, we're mm -hmm. all part of the community here. Um, and it's a film that like, it, it's a very tricky subject um, in the, in this community. So it, it's a very bold film and a lot of people who don't know better might not understand how bold this movie is. It, it really was bold. Um, and another yeah. thing I have to give him extreme credit for was being able to capture this kid in three different time periods in life and having all the actors be able to make you believe that they were the previous yeah, uh, uh, iteration. And the last guy is this really handsome, really buff guy. And the funny thing is, even the director originally was like, no, we can't cast him. I remember reading about this because he was like, he's too pretty and stuff. Like, no one's going to believe that this is the same scrawny kid, you know, that blah, blah, blah. Um, and then in his performance, he did like that whole lip, that, that whole yeah. lip quiver. And like, there's this, there's this, uh, certain kind of, um, not tell, but like the, there's a characteristic of, 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 of the character that both the kid and the, the middle-aged kid did very well. And when he does it, 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 it 100% your mind believes that this is him. Like, like, mm -hmm. like, like, like his entire performance, like their ability to find three actors to play this at three different time periods, uh, um, talk about a subject matter that's very important in a it's it's literally a minority story within a minority community and it's something that's like not talked about a lot and it's really really important and i think it's one of those things that like in the future things are definitely getting better for all kinds of diverse groups of people which is good but i think this is going to be one of those films that the subject matter is relevant 20 years from now and again if you go back and look at it it'll probably be at a situation where you'll be able to look at it almost like a time capsule and like, this is how things were then, you know? And, mm -hmm. you know, and it's something that's always worth going back and studying and realizing, I imagine, regardless of how far in the future, like how far we've come, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And, and it, again, it's just a beautiful movie. I mean, I saw it like twice. It was great.
So it was definitely my favorite movie that year. And originally I thought La La Land was going to be my favorite movie that year. And then I was like, damn it. You think the Oscars. Edged, yeah, I think, I think you just, just barely edged it out. Damn. <laughs> yeah, the Oscars that? definitely did. <laughs> yeah. They definitely did. They were like, it's La La Land. Yeah. I saw I saw Moonlight when it came out and I saw it once. And like you, I was blown away. And I don't remember if it came out in the middle of the year or if it came out late. But immediately when you saw it, you were like, this is this has to be movie of the year. It was that yeah. powerful. Um, Power, powerful is a good word for it. Like it's yeah. a very powerful film. And, and I feel like even, even if you don't know much oh, yeah. about the subject matter or don't seem to care, I feel like by the end of the film, it, it does just give a voice that's important. And I feel like by the film, it does help you empathize with a situation that you might not know anything about or a world that you don't know about too, you know, like, yeah, exactly. It's very, and it's very different. One of, uh, you know, I think one of my favorite parts of Moonlight and one of kind of, a conversation that I also think is relevant about diversity in film is just the idea that even though we're in a place where, you know, black actors, actors of color, actors are getting uh, so many more opportunities and we're not where we want to be at yet. But also another important piece is even when the actor doesn't look like you, the character can be so relatable to so many people. Exactly. And I think Moonlight just knocked that out of the park. There was such a, kind of a a tenderness to everything about that movie and especially even i remember all of the buzz that uh marshallah ali was getting that year and i remember he only had like 10 15 minutes of screen time he He was only in kind of one one piece of kind of the the three-act structure yeah it was just incredible and you were like what a father figure dude like this this movie's amazing right out the gate yeah and you're and you're also like he did get a lot of that conversation you're like well what about like trevante Rhodes and <laughs> like mm-hmm. like you know like the other actors mm-hmm. like it's like like they were great too so like there was a lot of just beautiful work done in that film and and naomi harris like i love her and yet mm-hmm. in that film that they made me hate her <laughs> like, yeah I hate her i hated um, her so much man like oh did you watch his uh his follow-up if beale street could talk dude if Bill street could talk was so good yeah movie uh movie had me tearing was- up a couple times Dude, yeah, no, that's no, a hell of a movie too. It is, it is a very good movie. Uh, and yeah. what's her name? Uh, um, oh my god, my brain, my brain's literally blanking out. Uh, Regina King was fantastic in that movie too. Yep, 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 like, yep, yep. She, for sure. I feel like she always is fantastic, though. I love Regina <laughs> King. So. Uh, she really is. Um, yeah, I love Regina King. Did you watch her in uh, the the Watchmen show? I I HBO's. have only seen. I saw the first episode when it first came out. That's all I've seen. I need to go watch more of it. It was like pretty what freaking I, what, awesome. What I saw was pretty good. I just I just need to go do it. <laughs> yeah. Very nice. Um, I love Barry Jenkins. I think he's a uh, he has like a Lion King thing he's doing. I think it's like a Lion King prequel. Um, yeah, I, I heard it's which is the live thing action I'm, like like John Favreau's like, and I'm just like, I thought like, the live it. action John Lion King. Honestly, I watched the first 20 minutes. I literally turned it off. I thought it was awful. I did really you? did. Like, I haven't seen it. Like, it doesn't matter that it's visually stunning. It's awful. And the fact that you went for like photorealism, it takes mm-hmm. away from all of the the expression and stuff on the faces, which is part of the animation. So even yeah. though it looks somewhat realistic, it just everything feels hollow. <laughs> like it just yeah. does. Like after That's 20 minutes, I was I like, thought no. It might be. Yeah, I was up for 20 minutes. I literally turned it off. Although I did think the live action Jungle Book was pretty good, but that's also a film that's been adapted into live action films numerous times. It, it, it It's done that before. It, that works for that story. Like, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, all right. <laughs> uh, here's uh, here's where I had to break my rule because I really couldn't choose one <laughs> or the other. Um, okay. I don't know how old Martin Scorsese is. But he has, 
been doing this for long enough to where you would think that some steam would be lost in the quality of his films. I recognize not everything is going to be good, fellas. Um, That's I not also, even my favorite movie of his. Interestingly enough, like, it's I not love my it, favorite. But... It's not my favorite either. But it's it's his yeah. most. It's his Pulp Fiction. Like it's his. It's his it is. One, you know. It is. It is. For um, sure. Also, um, I didn't choose The Irishman because even <laughs> though I think. I think that movie is incredibly meditative, and I think the message is incredible. And Joe Pesci, Robert De Niro, and Harvey Keitel are all just amazing um, at their age as well. I think that, uh, unfortunately, I think the de-aging and the special effects um, kind of hold that movie back a little bit from being an all-time. I chose two of Martin Scorsese's movies. One that... uh, (laughs) Heavily has to do uh, with his religion and one that has to do with his classic rise and fall stories in the business world. And I chose The Wolf of Wall oh. Street and Silence. Yeah, dude, dude, The Wolf of Wall Street is, was going to be on my list, too. It's like one of my favorite movies from him. Like, hands yeah, like, it yeah. is. It's one of my favorite comedies ever made. Actually. Dude, I think it's uh, <laughs> I think it's as good as his best work. I think it's up there with uh, Goodfellas okay. and The Departed and um, casino and taxi driver uh well taxi driver i think is in a league of its own but i think it's up there with the other three um and what i think is so incredible about this movie is a couple things i think it's uh funny enough it is a incredibly harsh criticism and mirror to uh the world of just kind of wealth worship in and the United States. Capitalism, for sure. And capitalism. It, but the thing is, and it's it's an incredibly, uh, it's a damnation of it. it. It points a finger and says, look at this craziness. I know. And somehow, at the same time, with being You're... that serious, yeah. you are on board and loving every you... second of it and a little you fucking are... jealous. <laughs> you know what are... I mean? like, It's true. It and and, and even cool. though these characters are awful people, you're, like, rooting for them. <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, Exactly. Like, they're doing lines. <laughs> Yeah. Of asses while driving red Ferraris and throwing yeah. insane parties like in the middle of their stock exchange. It's fucking Holy. bananas, all completely unapologetically, disrespectfully. And in their minds, they think yeah. they're doing the right thing. It's yeah. fucking and crazy. he's training training associates by literally miming like like screwing people in the butt. Like yeah. it's literally like and and this is like he's literally making fun of his own their own customers and he's like outlandishly just being so open about how they're totally just fucking them over. Like, yep. Yep. And how proud he and is. Like, this is just the way the world works. This is how we do it. And you know, oftentimes they're not wrong. That's often the yeah. way the world works. There are going to be, you know, there are going to be dealers and there are going to be abusers and everything. You know what I mean? So it's like there yeah. are going to be criminals and there are going to be victims all the yeah. time, unfortunately. Especially and in there, the system that we have. It's kind yeah, of and there are people who have the really, in my mind, kind of valid thought process that if those are my choices i'd rather be the criminal i'd rather be than the victim you know what i mean and this movie kind of shows you people who who ride that thought process and have a great time doing it (laughs) for two-thirds of the movie until they really start (laughs) facing kind of what they've done even when they have to start facing what they've done they got away pretty good (laughs) you know what i mean like it didn't go that bad for them till this day dude the scene with him and jonah hill on the quaaludes is that what it was? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i was i was actually in tears in the movie theater with some of that like i was gone like i 
I actually had trouble breathing. <laughs> like, yep. I was laughing yep. so hard. Time bro, like, and time uh, again. I think the scene I always think of of, like, peak craziness in this movie is when they're in the ocean and the yacht <laughs> is about to sink and he's holding on to his <laughs> wife, comforting her, and he's, like, whisper screaming to his friend, get the quail <laughs> you know what it is too this film had so many elements of another film like this uh and it, it's a much better version of did you ever see um um what's it called uh wall street boiler room no no i never saw boiler room yeah that's what's an boiler? early vin diesel film with ben affleck and it's similar they're 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 scam artists on wall street and they sell people oh and had giovanni rubisi in it it, oh, was actually, nice. it was actually a great movie. It was a really good movie. But this was like a much better make it more of a dark comedy rather than a serious movie uh, version mm-hmm. of that. Um, but yeah, like it's there's they have similar tones. When I saw the trailer, I was like, at first I was like, is this a remake of Boiler Room? And then like I was like, <laughs> oh no, they're doing something a little different with it. I was like, okay. But yeah, yeah. like uh, yeah, it's 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 a great movie, and I think that was the first time I'd ever seen Margaret Robbie. And of course, everyone just went on about how gorgeous she is because she is. But her performance yep. was fantastic, and I love that like she's carried on and like shown how, what a rock star she is. So, like I don't think there's a single role I've seen her in where she's not good. She's fantastic in everything, and I've seen oh, her I really totally change really change for roles too. Like for real, like she's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and, well, well, one last thing I want to say about sure. Uh, something I love about this movie is the way that it uses its side characters um, <laughs> to such great effect is awesome. Like Matthew McConaughey's Mark Hanna, uh, John Bernthal's, I think his character was just Brad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let him watch. Let him watch. <laughs> um, and there was there was one more. Uh, what's his name? <laughs> Shay Wingham as the the yacht captain. Oh, is that uh, that is? Yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, you know, we might experience a little chop. And they're like, that's not a big deal. It should be fine. He's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, honestly, till this day, that is probably one of the top three funniest movies I have ever seen. Like, like, and I'll be honest, most of my friends love comedies, and I and and there's nothing against i'm I'm happy for the people that love them but most modern comedies when i see them i just find them stupid and i don't find them funny most of the time so mm-hmm. i don't it's actually the the genre i i least see most comedies that have come out in the last 20 years the only ones i've seen are ones where friends wanted to see them and so i saw it with them otherwise i wouldn't watch it because most of them i don't find funny and i'm glad for people that do but i have a different sense of humor and this film was like literally my sense of humor like it it, right. it was like and also i'll be honest like classically i love jim carrey like i like for me like nowadays i feel like there's like this american style comedy thing where it comes from randomness and randomness is supposed to be funny but to yeah. me random randomness and just improv comes off as lazy to me i like like an interesting idea that's funny you know and then you add to that like like to me even though it's classic liar liar is one of the funniest films i've ever seen like i love jim carrey but the concept yeah. in and of itself a lawyer that can't lie that in and of itself is just great for comedy but then you put yeah. uh, jim carrey in there and it's just magnificent like i love that movie like that movie is one of the another one and even though yeah. they're stupid i love ace ventura i love jim carrey i, I do love jim, love jim carrey, carrey. Too. He, like his classics always make me laugh uh, but uh, and the, but they're, yeah there a lot of comedies i like are, are like usually oddball like okay so there's one movie that's random like that that i found funny and it's grandma's boy and i guess technically grandma's yeah. boy is more of a stoner film than a random film so that yep you know but like yeah 
I yeah, I like Grandma's that. Boy a lot too. I think uh, I totally hear what you're saying with the random comedy, kind of like the yeah. old Adam McKay style stuff. That stuff still yeah. gets me, dude. I don't know what yeah. it is, but I believe it. It's it's like a mixture of shock value and then also <laughs> like loving his characters and like he makes yeah. you believe that they're so such imbeciles that they would do these things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's like you have to. I like I like cleverness in the script and the storytelling too that that's funny not not just like mm-hmm. okay we have a silly silly script like most of these movies are now just improv a bunch of scenes and the randomness will make people laugh my brain doesn't do that my brain goes that just seems lazy and makes no sense you know <laughs> like that's right. just kind of how it, so i'm with you like i like when you craft something funny that's really clever and it is funny like there were scenes in knives out i thought were hilarious <laughs> I love Knives Out. Yeah, I think Knives that Out movie may have uh, like really affected other whodunits for me. <laughs> for sure, for sure. And freaking dude, and and homeboy with that southern accent, bro. Like yeah. James Bond with the southern accent. It's so strong. I He's love like, it. It's, I it's love like it. Past southern is like Foghorn Leghorn. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's cartoonishly southern. It is, but it's wonderful in that movie. And yeah, I even love is. Tony Collette too. Tony Collette like just looks so annoyed with everybody. Like yeah. she's just yeah. like, do I have to be here? Like. <laughs> I'm curious what Netflix is going to do. I don't think. Yeah. Uh, I don't think uh, who dragged Ryan Johnson, right? I think so. Yeah, he, he wrote and directed it, and I think he's doing the next one. I thought. Oh, is he? I thought he wasn't coming back. I thought Netflix was like carrying it on, but he may be coming back. We'll I thought he was. I hope so, because he's a great director, regardless of what some Star Wars fans think. Like he's a great yeah, director, yeah, yeah. so so I. I I, I trust him to helm things, so I, I hope he comes back. Uh, didn't they pay like four hundred million for both um, Daniel Craig and for the like the rights to the franchise for the next two movies? Like they're going to do two sequels, right? So yeah, something I, like I that. Mean, and I'm also whoever the producer was who made that decision. I think they made a very unusual but pretty awesome decision to see potential yeah. in that series. Like to see oh, yeah. like how many different ways that could go, and people you will know, watch it. You know what it seems like? Huh? Sorry, what Death on the Nile wants to be. <laughs> Right. Yeah, 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 I'm yeah. sorry, but like I just kind of do feel that way. Like those movies yeah. didn't seem interesting to me. Yet this is the same kind of thing, but with the new spin and something a bit more modern, but still taking what you loved about like the mystery whodunits, like Clue and stuff, and they mm-hmm. made something really fun and weird and quirky and interesting. You know, like and I, yeah, mm-hmm. like I'm I'm more interested in those. Like to be fair, so I'm with you. Like like I said, totally. weird decision. When I heard about that sale, I was like, holy crap. <laughs> I know. You're like producer was like a lot of money. Exactly. I think they're right though. No. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think so too. Like. Um. And that my you know my other movie. Uh. If I if you don't mind me doing two back to back here. No. Dude. Go ahead. Um. Is completely the other uh, side of Martin Scorsese, and it's him at his most kind of meditative. Um, yes. He. I, I think he followed this up with The Irishman I'm, too. So I think that's kind of where he's at in his life. But it, it's silence. Yeah, I figured that was um, going to be one of yours because I know how much you love it. I still need to see it. I have yeah, to um, I I loved this movie. I, I saw the movie um, simply because it was a Martin Scorsese movie and I knew it had to do uh, with belief and it also looked like an epic and I, I was there for all of it. Um, I was floored in the movie theater very shortly after um, I read the book by um, Shisaku Endo. Um, and then I watched the movie again and it's an incredible adaption for anybody who has read the book. And for anyone who doesn't know what it's about, it takes place in uh, the 17th century. It's about two uh, priests from Portugal who go to uh, Endo-era Japan to track down their, um, uh, I can't remember the word, but essentially their mentor, um, who seems to have uh, apostatized 
um, in Japan. And they don't think that could be true because he was such a devout man of faith. Um, and there have been murmurings that the current um, structure of Japan is, is stomping out any traces of Christianity. Um, and it's about their, their kind of journey through Japan and their journey through dealing with uh, their faith in like the uh, up against incredible adversity. And I think the movie is really going to stand the test of time for anyone who's a believer or anyone who's not a believer, because even though the movie does end up taking a side, um, I think it's a very hard conversation to, to juggle with respects to both sides when uh, the conversation can kind of get so rotten in that area. That's and true. I think that regardless of a, if you're a person of faith or not, the, uh, everybody has faith in something and everybody's faith in something has been challenged if you take any time to consider it. And I think this movie kind of takes the point, and so did the book, that through like adverse challenge, it could kind of bring your your faith deeper than it was before. And whatever that may be for you, that's that's fantastic. I think this movie was um, a hell of a watch. And I think it, I don't think it's, of course it didn't do amazing at the box office, but I do think it's going to get the credit it deserves in, in a decade or so. It also has Andrew Garfield's best performance, yeah. and, by and, the way. And you know, I'm a huge Andrew Garfield fan, so like that's why the fact yeah. that I haven't seen it is just kind of crazy to me, too. It's like, I know it's one of those movies that I'm like, I feel like I'm going to love it, but I'm going to be a wreck by the end of it. And I'm like, yeah. I, need to, I need to be like ready. Like, I'm like, yeah. if I'm having a good day, I don't want to do it today because I want to keep this good day. I need to do it on a day where it's I'm already heavy. sad. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it is. It's and I'm not, not sad. Um, it's not sad. But, uh, it's, but it, it is it, the subject matter seems like it would be heavy, especially with the performance. It's from very heavy. Someone yeah, like yeah. Andrew Garfield, I'm expecting to be moved to tears. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you will, and especially Adam Driver and Liam Neeson bring it too. Um, it's been maybe I haven't been following Liam Neeson's career, but especially after the first Taken when it went full action movie mode, I did enjoy that. Yeah. But um, He's I've always enjoyed cool. Liam Neeson's more dramatic performances, and him being able to deliver in this movie was uh, it was it was beautiful. Yeah, I've always liked Liam Neeson, so I'm I'm cool. I'm, I'm not, whatever makes him happy. Um, yeah, whatever makes so. Liam happy. Yeah, for sure. Well, his, <laughs> wife, his wife his wife tragically died um, years ago. I think it was Natasha Richardson. Uh, oh, uh, you, I didn't might, know that. You, you might not know her, but she's she's. I know her because I loved. Uh, it's one of the few times I liked to re- remake more than the original. I loved the Lindsay Lohan Parent Trap when I was a kid. I thought that was oh, actually yeah. a great movie. She was the one that was uh, their real mom. Oh, that, that, that was that. That, that was his wife, and from what I remember reading, um, I, I'm I'm not trying to get sued, so this is what I remember reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, she went, she went, I believe she went skiing with some friends, and she took a tumble down a hill, and she rolled really, really fast, and um, she seemed completely fine. Um, but on the way to the hospital, she flatlined, and I guess I think it was because the rolling caused her brain to bump against her head, and it was swelling slowly inside, and they didn't know. Oh. Um, yeah, really unfortunate. So she technically, you know, passed. She was fine. It was just a, a total awful situation. And I think I remember him reading that he he delved so much into Taken and then like all these action films one after another after another because he just wanted to work, you know, right. to, because it was hard for him to deal with and he just wanted to work. That's why, I mean, it seems like for the last 15, 10, 15 years, he's been making tons of them and, you know, some of them really fun. So, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm all for I'm all for whatever he needs, you know. Because I can't know yeah. what it's like to go through that, but um, but yeah, I, I like Liam Neeson a lot. So yeah, for sure. So do I. I you know what I liked the gray. It. I liked the gray, even though there were some ridiculous moments, and I really enjoyed that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's funny. It was kind of like billed as this uh 
this realistic survival movie. And if you don't take it as that, it's really good. If you take it as that, you're gonna like poke at it and poke at it like no fucking way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's you know what's funny? Until you actually said that, I forgot that he was in that or Adam Driver. To be honest, like I completely in silence? forgot. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They're uh, uh, Adam Driver is in a way kind of the second lead. For a lot of the movie and then liam neeson okay. is uh one of the supporting characters he plays their mentor who they go to japan to find and uh, he also does a lot of the uh the uh narration of the film oh okay okay mm-hmm. and, and didn't wasn't this made for like a really small project because it was like a passion project for scorsese so a lot of people kind of just agreed to do it with him like for well, a lot less yeah in fact uh martin scorsese read uh the novel very early in his career and he i think bought the rights to make it very early in his career but he never felt like he was in a place within within his belief and kind of his career where he had the skill or the understanding to to make it gotcha. he, he was going to be a priest before he was a filmmaker i did remember reading um, that yeah yeah. yeah, so um, he, he felt like till a point where it was a mixture of him feeling like he was um, prepared with the, where he was at in his faith. He had an opening in his kind of uh, schedule to, to make the film that he wanted, and uh, he finally got it done. And then, like you said, he got all these big names because he is who he is, and the, imagine, the project was incredible. Him, him waiting turned out to be the best decision ever. Not only did he get to make yeah. a masterful movie, but he had so much clout. You could get big names in it who are probably exactly. just, down, just down to make something with you, even if the pay is not high, you know, like that's, that's, yep. that's, wasn't that great? That's going to be awesome when you wait 20 years or 15 years or however long it was. And it works out like, you know, like uh-huh. that was exactly. like his passion project, right? Like it was like yep. his passion project for decades, if I remember right. And he nailed it. And not too many people saw it. And I'm like, damn. I know. And the crazy <laughs> thing is not too many people saw it, but everything I read was like 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10. Like, it's just masterful, yep. like everywhere. Like everyone who did see it seemed to say it was a masterpiece. Like, mm-hmm. wasn't it not? nominated for an oscar that year i don't recall my uh i don't even remember what i had for breakfast <laughs> <laughs> maybe God damn it, Dylan. Uh, <laughs> okay uh so for my next one i actually i wanted to pick something that was a sci-fi um mm-hmm. and i actually ended up going with denny villeneuve's arrival nice i think that arrival not only is it a beautifully made film but i found the subject matter very interesting and universally relevant um Mm -hmm. i I also felt like the idea of going into like because i feel like it does tackle something we've seen before like avatar talks about this you know pocahontas talks about this anytime there's something we don't understand our first impulse is to be you know hostile and and military and you know Mm -hmm. so these aliens and essentially those of you haven't seen it these aliens kind of come down and it's not really an invasion they just kind of show up if i remember correctly because i have only seen it once but they just kind of show up and of course we address it with military we don't shoot them down there are people mm-hmm. that convince them that we should try to study, you know, maybe they're just trying to communicate, blah, blah, blah. So of course there are these, there's this really, this really thin threshold of military versus science that's happening here. Um, and Amy Adams, I believe is the lead. And she's, uh, she goes up to start trying to communicate with these creatures and they communicate with almost like this. It almost looks like um, jellyfish ink to some extent. It's like, and it forms these symbols and throughout the film, they're trying to figure this out. As you can imagine, some things go awry, some um, mistakes are made on the military side, Um, but she's also struggling with something. You see something at the beginning of the film that you assume happened in her past, which was a very interesting uh, 
I'll call it a mechanic to the story because it seems mm-hmm. very much like because she's very uh, kind of uh, what's the word sullen and stoic and and you kind of assume her character's like that because she lost this child due to some kind of illness um, and the twist of the film essentially is that these these beings are so far ahead <laughs> in advancement and just of what their imagine, imagine evolution is like we don't really know for certain but they don't just speak through symbols like like when you when you when you finally open up and you can speak the language literally they speak through time like, like, like mm-hmm. their language is not as simple as just symbols like it is for us like when they speak they speak through time because time itself is relative there are different things on that they speak through that um and through a moment for her you find out that the image that you saw at the beginning of this film it's not her past so her stoic behavior and everything was just her mm-hmm. um you find out that what she actually got to see was her future. She, she saw a future of having like a 12 or 14 year old child who dies of seemingly like some kind of cancer or something. And it, it, it asks a very important question because she's currently seeing someone. And then you kind of realize later that like why someone kind of can't forgive her later in certain situations, but it kind of begs the question, if you know what's going to happen to your child, is it still worth having it? Like, is it, it asks this really interesting question, like, are you being cruel and giving birth to something that you know will wither and die sooner than it should? Or knowing that that's still going to happen, is it still important to have the child so they get the experience that they do get before they go, right? Um, And obviously, ultimately, uh, due to the future choice, she kind of realizes what she already is going to choose. Um, And, this film for me personally touched me because like, like this isn't a joke, like literally the day before I saw this film, um, I just felt a certain way about the world and stuff. And I had always wanted one, two kids really, really badly, like really, really badly. Um, and I had decided that the world seemed like a place that I wasn't sure if I wanted to have a kid in. And that really got to me because I had always wanted one or two kids. And I literally saw this film the next day, like, which was kind of insane because it tackles the philosophical issue I was having with like just in another way but it's the exact same philosophical art like argument <laughs> really yeah. um and i found myself in the theater crying and I actually went and saw it with a family member and they're like are you okay and i was like no it's fine like you, you wouldn't get it <laughs> it's kind of just it's kind of crazy but so it does have a personal situation for me but i feel like the subject matter it still points an in, to an interesting argument and this is a this is a conversation people have argued over for years you know what i mean um what's more harmful right Um, But I feel like it's a question that's always worth coming back to and probably always will be. And I also feel like the, the, the kind of sci-fi quote unquote science of it, of the idea of a language transcending time is a very interestingly new idea. And I think it was based on a short film or short story or something, if I remember correctly, that was turned into a feature, I believe it was like a short. Um, But I just feel like it's a subject that even 20, 30 years from now is so just interesting science fiction wise and writing wise and 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 while it does that it also like i said discusses this philosophical um question that's a really important one that we're going to come back to time and time again for various situations and i kind of just feel like a lot of people even though they didn't have the specific experience that i had with that timing it was like one of those things where i'm not religious or anything but universally like i literally made this decision that made me very sad the very next Mm -hmm. day this it was kind of like insane it felt like like it's it's very rare that i feel like a film was made for me but that's kind of how i felt in that moment i'm not mystic or anything it was just a crazy coincidence i know but it was a crazy one for me 
Um, yeah, yeah. But a, but a lot of people, even though that wasn't their experience, they did come away from this film telling me they felt intense emotions with this film. Like, like it caused a lot of thought and a lot of emotional uh, reflection, uh, like mm-hmm. even questions about what they would do <laughs> knowing that. And I think those kind of conversations are things that are always worth coming back to. So I think Arrival will possibly be considered a classic, a sci-fi classic. So. Yeah, I certainly hope so. I only saw Arrival uh, once as well, and I was one of those people who also had kind of an emotional experience with it. And even though I we don't land kind of in the same place with our kind of like philosophies around it, it was still, like you said, such an important question of if you understand the consequences of, or even not even consequences, but if you understand where your decisions are going to take you, do you yeah. continue to make those decisions? Um, exactly. Especially when they start to affect others. And I think this movie to have a, a budget like that it was one of those things where it was like, you know, this is a very art house script with a very big yeah. budget. It's you a know, think like piece. I'm it's so happy. It's a think piece that had, uh, what a couple hundred million dollars in budget, Amy Adams, Jeremy right. Renner, huge CGI budget. And it just, let me find out similar to, uh, I mean, this movie is not like the matrix, but similar to the matrix in that way. It was one of those things where you're just so grateful that it exists. Yeah, I agree. Oh, actually $47 million budget. How wow. the hell did they make that movie on $47 million? You know why? They paid it to all the actors, and they made sure that the alien spaceships only looked like like half ovals. And all the Jeez. scenes with the aliens are clearly in a green room with, like, one set. <laughs> like that's, it's smart, though. It's smart, though. That's amazing, actually. That I thought amazing. It, I legit thought it was at least, like, $100 million. Like, I did. That's crazy. It looks like $100 million. It does. Well, Vinny, well, Denny Villeneuve, right? Like, fucking yep. freaking A, bro. Yeah, and so it's based, on story, money. Story, it's based on Story of Your Life by Ted Chiang, apparently. Ah. So, yeah. Very nice. Um, I have two more on my list. How many do you have on yours? I have one, so why don't you go ahead? Okay, perfect. That worked out. Yeah. Um, cool. Um, I'm gonna do my. Uh, like I said, I think I'm gonna save my most kind of surprising one for last. My uh, second was uh, one of our favorite directors, your f- favorite writer and director. Mm-hmm. You know, came out with a movie that I saw the first time and I knew I really liked it, and then I saw it a second time, and then I actually figured out I kind of loved it. Then I saw it a third time, and it just keeps going on my li- up my list. Oh, Every time that's I, not going to be the yeah. one I thought it was. Interesting. I know what it is. Yeah, no one's not. No one's not. It's going to be Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, um, that's interesting. Nice. You know, I think... So I thought it was going to be Django or Inglorious is what I thought. Like, so yeah, that's interesting. Inglorious was my first choice, but it came out in like... It came out a while ago, and I was it like... Did. It did. I, I Like, it, it kind of already is a classic, it in my opinion. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? It kind, of, it kind of is. But I think my favorite part about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, not only from, well, just for clarification, we've talked about this movie before. In fact, uh, I read the book and we talked about the book, too. Yeah, Um, and I loved it. It's a great movie. As a quick refresher, it's about a a television actor who's kind of at the end of his career. And similar to what a lot of television actors went through at that time when they couldn't break into the movies during the 1970s in Hollywood. Uh, some of them got lucky, and even though they didn't know they were lucky at the time, uh, they were sent off to Italy to make uh, to make Western movies. And uh, this movie is about an actor who is given that option. He's trying to hold on to, to the way that he feels his career should go, and it has not gone the way that he expected it to go. So you kind of get a day in the life of uh, him in Hollywood along with his, uh, his stuntman and them driving around 1970s Hollywood while the the Manson gang is doing some nefarious things in the background. 
Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. Uh, it's pretty good synopsis. I, I think that's a great synopsis yeah. without like giving away too much. Well done. Right. Um, but here's the thing. The entire film is a celebration of everything the director has shown us that he has loved for the past, what, 25, 30 yeah. years of his career. Yeah. Um, celebration for TV Western celebration for spaghetti Western celebration of big movie stars and amazing camera shots and the way that you feel when you get to sit in a dark theater with a bunch of other people and sit in a giant screen and get transported away. This movie transports you away. And also from the production of it, you're seeing Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt 300 feet tall in the theater, giving incredible performances, making you laugh, making you excited with the the tense action scenes, subverting your expectations at every turn, having a hell of a finale and, you know, I know Quentin Tarantino said he's going to do 10 movies, and I think this was his ninth. Um, and this uh, movie yeah. felt like a, like a, a grand final finale of everything that um, that he's been doing since, since his career started. And especially just a huge love letter to the era, huge love letter to movie making and everything that yeah. goes around with it. Well, and every said, time you I consider it 10 if you consider Kill Bill two movies, but he considers it one, and I do two because it's part one and part two. So. I also, yeah, I also consider it so one. I ma- so I imagine he's going to do one more, which don't know what it is. I was really hoping for that rated R Star Trek, and that seems like that's not happening. I was like, damn it! I was like, yeah, I want that! Cool. <laughs> I, or, or another thing I would love is, like, even though technically Death Proof is one, I would love, like, a really good horror. Like, I know that's technically I his I would horror. love that too. I know that's technically his horror, Death Proof is, because it's basically yeah. the idea of a serial killer who uses cars. But, like, I would yeah. love like an, another genre horror, like a really deep horror, like uh, you know, like that would be so fun from Tarantino. Yeah, yeah, I, I would <laughs> love that. And I'm curious to what he does with maybe he'll do television, maybe he'll do plays. He's he's kind of breaking into novels yeah. now, so he'll he'll still be working. But um, the funny thing is, oftentimes, you know, there are some people who are really a fan of movies who aren't a fan of Tarantino because he's just like his movies are very loud and brash and big and bold and controversial sometimes just like he is. But um, if you can get past that, it's hard. If you can get past those things, it's hard to love movies and not see love of movies in his movies. In fact, it's impossible. You know what I mean? And honestly, and honestly, everything you mentioned is actually one of the reasons I love him. I love that he is unafraid to be himself in every way. Mm -hmm. And it's either take it or leave it. I love that about him. And I love that. Like, even though some things can be controversial, I feel like they tend to make way more interesting movies most of the time, like talking mm-hmm. about or having elements of controversial subjects in films, but still doing it tastefully and really interestingly and entertainingly. Right. Uh, those films tend to be way more memorable than things that are fun, but safe, like everything's safe. And those yep. tend to be more forgettable. The fact that he's unafraid to give his opinion and even reviewers have for years have tried to say, don't you think, don't you think that, you know, movies promote violence? It's to the point where he no. answered it twi- twice, two or three times. And after that, he just doesn't answer the question anymore. And I'm like, that's exactly right. how it should be. It's like, I've answered this before. You know that you're just looking for a damn soundbite. I've already said, no, right. that's ridiculous. People are responsible for their own actions, which they are. And mm-hmm. that's it. Like, let it go. Like, like it's just entertainment. Like, you know, like, and, and I love that. Exactly. I love that. And I agree with that. Um, and then where this hits kind of the most meta for me is I feel like, you know, one of, I think, the most valid Quentin Tarantino criticisms is that, like many other artists, you know, uh, artists steal. Uh, and I don't mean that oh, in yeah. any disrespectful way. I mean yeah. that we're all inspired by things and we like <laughs> to show our inspiration. One of the very valid criticisms of Quentin Tarantino is he does that very obviously. But he does it intentfully, too, because he's showing yeah. his love for those things. 
Yeah. Where exactly. this movie got super meta is it didn't feel like he was celebrating anything other than his body of work and his career and his love of his craft. And that's why I also feel like his love of this time period too. Like yeah. Felt like, Cause it's like his childhood in Hollywood where he grew up. So all of these things were happening when he was right. a kid in Hollywood, you know, he's capturing his life in a way. Right. Too, yeah, like, and that's why I don't know if this is my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie yet, but every time I watch it, it just makes me feel like, you know, even I I adore his other movies. Like I love like all of them. I really do. I do There's too. not one I that I don't. He, he hasn't but done a bad movie at all. Even though like watching this one, there are aspects of his other movies that I see like in other movies, and it's kind of like remixed again and again and again. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to. Sp- I'm trying to say this how I mean it, because what I want to say, I don't think is going to convey exactly what I mean. But what I'm trying to get at is out of all of his movies, this one feels the most like only he could make it like it felt that personal. More than Kill Bill, though. Yeah. And the only reason I say that is why that's why it's not exactly my intent, because Kill Bill feels like homage to so many other things. It feels like Sergio yeah, Leone I, and Akira Kurosawa. I get, and, I get what you're you know, saying. Anime. You know what I mean? Like this feels incredibly personal like he's not paying homage to all these other people but it just gotcha. it was purely him and yeah, exactly. that's no, kind of my favorite I, oftentimes my favorite thing from creators is when you're like dude yes. this is you this is awesome when you, when you feel like you see them like like right. it's, it's just it's just bare everything right. that they are right i could see that yeah because i always thought that kill bill is one of the most eclectically brilliant films ever like no one else could have made that film but yep. i guess you are right like he even admitted that's his love letter to like japanese television shows and movies and all these things he loved but this yeah like in this situation you mean like only he could have made it, but it's also completely feels more personal. So yeah, yeah, I I, I could totally understand that. I could totally yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, it's hard to disagree with you on that actually. Like it, it's really really good. And he talks about growing up in that era in Hollywood. Um, you know, so I imagine all of these things uh, were very personal to him. Even like what happened with was it Sharon Tate and everything. Like mm-hmm. and she was Hollywood's princess. They all everyone loved her, and like that whole situation was awful. Um, so yeah. Um, that's why I love that like the film <laughs> he kind of plays with an element that he first introduced into Inglorious Bastards, which I absolutely yeah. <laughs> love. Uh I'll just say alternate fiction alternate history, which yeah. I think is alternate wonderful. History. And I and I and I think and I actually feel like the ending of Once Upon a Time, even though I love it, but it's not my favorite movie of his, I feel mm-hmm. like the ending of that is one of the most heartwarming endings I have ever seen in a film. And the the idea that at least on screen I could save someone that I couldn't save in real life. You know, right. like it, it's one of the most beautifully sentimental things I have probably ever seen on screen, to be honest. Like, I remember that ending. I was like, that ending blows my mind just because you took something you played with in another film, but this time you used it in one of the most endearing ways ever to try to save history in a way of uh, maybe in a way and you wished it had been, you know, and exactly. I think that's a beautiful yeah. thing. And it goes it goes a layer deeper past the person because Sharon Tate's murder was often seen as the end of kind of that era of freedom because you weren't you weren't able to do those things anymore because now there could be somebody in your backyard. Yeah. You know, yeah, it was that big sure. of a case. So sure. it wasn't only like her survival in that movie, but it was also the survival of that feeling that this movie brings from that era. Yeah. You know what I mean? The free, so, the free, hold the free, loving everyone's your neighbor yeah. kind of thing. If we're on this together, it's like suddenly, oh, other people can be dangerous. Other people can right. be the enemy, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. I could totally see that. Yeah, 
Exactly. So I now I kind of want to watch this movie again every time I talk. Yeah. Now I kind now I kind of do too. Didn't realize how much I like. I knew I liked it even when we walked down. Like that's probably like probably top three, top five for me. I really liked it. But then every time I rewatched it, I'm like, oh damn, I love it. Oh my god, I love it more than I thought I did. God, this movie's awesome. I I I think I saw it the one time with you in the theater. I believe. Like I I need to Mm -hmm. see it again. Like I need to watch it again for sure. Um, It's the only one of his I don't own yet, so I need to I need to get it. Um, yeah, and I hope they, re- and I'm kind of waiting for him to do his last movie so they can release a new, like, beautifully <laughs> art- artistic block set of all 10 and I could have them all. Cause I have that amazing DVD set. I think we both have it with like the, the chrome and the, yep. all of the Tarantino. It's really cool. We do. Um, it's like up through, uh, yeah. It's Fast. no, it's up through it, uh, uh, right before Django. It's right Whatever. before Django, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right it was *Inglorious Bastards*. Up through *Inglorious yeah. Bastards*, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was one of my most prized possessions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that box set too. <laughs> it's like one of the coolest looking ones I've ever seen, and it so perfectly matches him and his films. It's like so good. Um, For sure. Okay, so my final one might be a surprise to some people because it's, I guess it's technically a superhero movie because it is based on a comic. But for me, it's, it's one of my it's, it's one of my favorite movies. Uh, I know it's one of my favorite <laughs> movies, but it is uh, V for Vendetta. Um, yeah. To me, this is like like I've said this before. If I had to pick like some of my top five superhero movies of all time, right? Not just Marvel mm-hmm. or DC, but films that are technically superhero movies. V for Vendetta. And the Mask of Zorro are probably at the top, like of the yeah. five. And then you have like what is it, Spider Man Two, Dark Knight, and I don't know. Uh, I'd have to think about it. But like, like, mm-hmm. but like, yeah. Like I love V for Vendetta, and I love uh, the Mask of Zorro, obviously. But V for Vendetta, I think not only is it a fantastic film, which interesting enough, this director, every film he did after this, doesn't seem like it has the same level of detail of directing. And there is a there is a rumor because the Wachowskis uh, sisters. Uh, they wrote this script and they produced it and he directed it. But there are rumors very much like the exorcist that behind the scenes, they were doing a lot more directing than uh, <laughs> the director did uh, <laughs> uh, kind of like, uh, like, not the exorcist. I'm sorry. The poltergeist is what uh, they used to do. Yeah, yeah. Not the exorcist. I apologize. Kind of like uh, Steven ignore, Spielberg. Ignore that. Yeah. Ignore that. Cause the exorcist yeah. is brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, Friedkin, right? But like, but like, uh, yes. But Poltergeist. Many people say that that director. If you look at the rest of his work first, that one, there are a lot of Spielberg elements to that film, and the direction yeah. feels a lot like Spielberg. And a lot of people have said the same thing about V for Vendetta. And I don't want to insult anyone, so I, I, maybe it was him. But like, I know that they did write the script, and I believe they were producers, executive producers. So, mm-hmm. um, and it's exceptionally well directed. And honestly, some of the things feel like their style. I mean, they just really does. Um, but that film, it's actually a film where I actually read the graphic novel as well, and I loved it. But it's one of the few instances in life where I liked the movie adaptation better than the graphic novel, which almost never happens. I loved yeah. what they did. With, I loved what they did with Evie's character in the movie versus the graphic novel, um, and I loved how it ended. And it actually captures a subject matter that I am very, very big on, and it's the idea of freedom to some extent like of course you have freedom has limitations in a society you can't be a part of a society your your freedoms kind of end where they start putting other people in danger right like that's that's where where your freedom has limitations you can't like for instance you can't say i want to throw an axe in the air no because it can come down and kill somebody like you can't have absolute freedom but the idea of the entire prison sequence and the beautiful story through the notes of what happens to people and the idea that she's willing to die rather than submit to something that she thinks is wrong. Like, like she values her freedom of thought and expression and of what she thinks is right over her life. And I think that is a beautiful sentiment. And I kind of agree with that most of the time. 
Um, and I think that the subject matter is really, really strong, regardless of when you look at it. And what I think is interesting about the subject matter is in numerous times in life, we've already seen people using the film and referencing the film whenever there's something they don't like. And what yeah. I think is fu- what I think is funny is that one of the reasons I think it's going to be considered a classic is it's not just like one political side. Like you'll have people from the right wing or left wing or centrist or whatever using it whenever there's something that like Guy Fox masks and stuff when they think that there's something that is wrong or corrupt or you know speaking truth to uh, an injustice in the world but it doesn't matter what political or you know ideological side you're on many people still see this universal value of what this film can mean you know what mm-hmm. i mean um and i think that it because of that it's something to come back to all the time and kind of like remember just as a, as a people now now we might different we might have differences on what those values should be which is where a lot of problems come from but like ultimately you know, realizing that there are more things, things that are more important than just your life. You know what I mean? Like, like there are ideals, there are ideals and there are things that we should subscribe to. Maybe we're not good enough, but having ideals that maybe are better than we are so that we have to reach higher for them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just, it's just a beautiful film in that regard while still being a superhero film. um, That's fascinating because it's, it's, it's another thought piece really (laughs) uh, that, that masquerades as a superhero film. And then, it's just yeah, brilliantly directed. It does not Hugo feel like a superhero film. No, like no. And, and then Hugo Weaving as V is like the most beautiful thing ever. <laughs> like, like, yeah. like you just start speaking and you're like, literally one of the most brilliant speakers, most beautiful speakers of all time. Yeah. <laughs> just Easy. Like, Thank seriously. you, Seriously. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> seriously, though, it's true. Uh, but yeah, I think it's a fantastic film. Uh, Natalie Portman's another one of my favorite actresses. Her performance with the entire prison sequence and that whole thing, it's it moves me to tears every time I see it. Like I, I connect yeah. to it every single time and I think it's beautiful. And I think it's, and that's not just me. I think it holds a place for most people who see it. And I know a lot of people yep. who haven't seen it. And once they see it, they're like, dude, that was so good. How have I not seen that until now? And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's, I feel like it's one of those films you should see, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. As, a, as a person, the ideal that there are some things that are more important in your life than your life. There are some things that are just universal ideals that we need to hold above us. Um, you know? So I don't know. I, I just think it feels it's like a, uh, I've always saw that movie. I don't know if it's the fairest comparison, but it does feel like a mesh of uh, 1984 and the matrix to me. So yeah. Like, no, bam, kind, mash them yep. together. <laughs> yep. Yep. Kind of. Yep. It's like 1984 <laughs> matrix and bring in some Guy Fox Day stuff yeah. with, uh, yeah, a few elements of, uh, yeah, exactly. It, well, it, and you know it's a 1984 reference because they literally have Homeboy playing the, the, right. the yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> I literally it's have him playing. For sure. They literally have him playing like the evil politician. It's literally the guy who John started Hurt. 1984. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. It was yeah. like one of the best and cameos ever. <laughs> yeah, now he's Big Brother. Exactly. It was like one yeah. of the best cameos ever. I mean, just just little things like that are brilliant. You're like, oh, that is so good. If you know, if you've seen 1984, you know. And then I love yep. Stephen Fry. I loved his entire sequence in that film. Like, I just, oh, just a great movie, man. It's like so yeah. good. It is a great movie. Um, all right, man. I'm on my last one. You know, I'm gonna be honest. I was a little frustrated choosing this movie because, <laughs> as as you know, this incredible director not one of my favorites and in fact i can think of five or six of his movies that i like more than this movie oh i but missed one. Oh, did you sorry miss one? i missed i missed one so i'll go after you sorry that's okay no that's perfect i can think of five or six movies that i like from okay. this director more than the movie i chose but i don't think i've ever 
been so pleased in a movie theater and seen so many people along for a ride to movie theater and going through every emotional beat that this movie wants to hit through the sadness, the excitement, the danger, all of those things. Okay. And I'm going to tell you, it's a Christopher Nolan movie. Okay. I wanted to pick Dunkirk and I wanted to pick Inception. Inception's another one that I wanted to pick. It's one of my it's my favorite of his. Like but. Yeah, my, my favorite of his is it's probably a toss up between Inception and Dunkirk, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. But I think if any of his movies are going to be classics outside of the Dark Knight, I felt like that was cheap because it's already a classic. <laughs> I, I think it's gonna be Interstellar. Um no, yeah, yeah, no, it, it is. I you think know, it is. Sci-fi funny thing, there are some there are some like funny writing quirks in this movie and some funny like little pacing things here and there but from the way this is movie shot matthew mcconaughey's lead performance the adventure that it takes you on as yep. well as not even just matthew mcconaughey's performance everyone's performance in this movie and hathaway's yep. jessica chastain's john lithgow ellen burst and timothy chalamet was in this movie like everybody's yep. performance in this movie kind of delivering what this mission is going to be, how impossible it is in the sheer scale of like, it's called interstellar, but this interdimensional like thing that they have to do. It's funny how huge it feels, but it's almost like, uh, it kind of reminds me of like, uh, like a Kevin Costner, like, farmhouse baseball movie like we gotta do <laughs> right? something bigger it, start, than us. it starts off that <laughs> way for sure <laughs> if you if build you, it they if, will if come you, if you build the rocket ship the aliens will come <laughs> yeah, i tell exactly. you right now <laughs> but it kind of has that dreamy kind of like it does like kind of good golly kind of feel to it i love even like through rock. the space travel and the danger and it just all works so well it really does. I yeah. I feel like my only gripes with the film typically are writing gripes. Like there are some things that are a little mm-hmm. he- so heavy handed that you're like, oh come on, you know. <laughs> but like, but, like know, but it's still good. Thing, like it's still pretty great. I lived in. This is one of the things I love about movies most, and I saw this movie when I lived in California at the San Jose Science Theater. Uh, it's not a theater. It's a um, it's a uh, science museum, Dude. but they have a imax facility dome oh my god dude that's the same thing we did you know the imax at the pacific science center i was telling you about this is the movie this is the movie i saw where manu bennett showed up behind us and i was like and we were at the thing. it's awesome like the moment the music and the rocket ship launch and all those things it took all of the critic out of me like it didn't matter like you're just you're just watching something that's absolutely incredible Yep. And I agree. even like when I think of like the like, I can't even remember specifically the gripes I have in this movie, but I do remember specifically how I felt the first time I saw it. 100%. And I would you also argue I mean? like it arguably one of the best soundtracks in the last decade easily. Yeah. But like, I mean, I mean, and you know what my brother did? My brother is the way we are with films. He's like that with music mm-hmm. and maybe even more so like he, he, he loves music. And he did something uh, when we were watching that film that I had not considered. I loved the music. I couldn't stop talking about it. But you know what he mentioned? He was like, oh, fascinating. And I was like, what? He goes, like, if you look at the beat, it's time. And I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, da-da, da-da. It's a clock ticking. 
and the movie's about time. Oh, and I, and I was like, yeah. I was like, that's pretty cool. No way. Like, and I didn't even think about that, but I think he's right. It's like, da 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 da. But there, there, that beat through everything, there's a constant beat. And if you think about it, that would be the constant click of the clock. And it's completely synchronized. And I'm like, oh my God, that's probably true. Yeah. Because I read about how Christopher Nolan had this done. He gave him, he, he, I don't think he read the whole script first. He told them a simple story about a father and a daughter and mm-hmm. like their love and i think he did mention time it was like a meeting and he just wanted to see what he came up with and then after mm. he found what he came up with then they they started going to work together with the actual script and everything like like that's pretty so, cool so it's it's cool yeah like it, it's uh, just i love christopher nolan he's such a cool director like he really he really is a very cool director and my uh this isn't a gripe this is just a stylistic thing that doesn't always work for me is uh he treats often his characters as as themes like they're drivers of like an idea a lot of the time yeah interstellar yeah, I, I agree you I know agree. then that's i'm not saying that's good or bad i'm just saying that's him you uh, know that's what I mean? his it's style always... his characters represent an idea or or something that we're discussing rather than always feeling right. like actual people and that's fine that's his style and interstellar doesn't have that so much at least from no since I saw it, it feels, they feel like people who are going through really significantly emotional things, super fantastical, emotional kind of events, but still really yeah. emotional. And I, he doesn't do that very often. I agree. I also loved the use of the Tesseract at the end of that film. My friend and I, me, me and my friend Sean, were just like oh, this, loving, yeah, yeah, lo- lo- loving that. We were like, yes, yeah. it's the Tesseract. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's awesome. So what was your last one? Uh, so there was one I totally missed after her because I thought it was the second one that most likely. And actually, it was another one I thought might be on your list. And this one I feel like we what don't have to talk it? about as much if you don't want because I feel like many of the reasons are very obvious. But get out. Oh, you know, yeah. um, it was on my list, but I ran out of uh, I ran out of space. Like <laughs> yeah, I wanted to like, keep it to like your yeah. seven or eight, but get out was on my list. Yeah, like get out. I thought was a great movie. I don't think it's a masterpiece like some people do, but I absolutely thought it was fantastic. It was wonderful. Um, I think that's amazing. That's his first film. He's a very good director, but I also feel like the subject matter in that film is very interesting and it's a very interesting capturing of mm-hmm. the zeitgeist of right now, what it, what it means to like, be black and also just be a black male especially um Mm -hmm. there are a lot of things that it captures but the way it subverts it with where it goes with that story it's kind of insane in a very interesting way that i don't think you expect considering like what the the film's about simultaneously like and if you think about Mm -hmm. it it's such an honest uh it's an honest critique of the world right now because it is very much like that like if you're african-american there are things that you have to deal with that other people don't yet simultaneously though in a lot of ways it's also popular to be african-american in certain areas of life too it's like this really Mm -hmm. odd juxtaposition of it, it, it almost it almost it almost seems like if you are a normal african-american you're treated one way but then if you have special talents in certain situations certain industries will just like want everything from you right like and it's like mm-hmm. and, and, and it is kind of interesting and i don't mean that like i'm not condemning everyone or anything i'm just saying but it is this interesting situation you see in society right now where it is kind of like that and in a lot of in a lot of areas and it, it, it's mm-hmm. interesting how you watch how someone's treated yet the motivation for why this awful thing is happening to the characters is because it's it's like in right now right yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. Like, it's like exactly. it's like it's, it's such a bold film you know, especially in the horror sci-fi thing. And it still manages mm. to be funny, too. <laughs> like, yeah, I still can't help laughing funny. the scene with the guy who's running straight at the screen and then just veers yep. off. Like, the you're like, past him. what the fuck was that? <laughs> like, 
but and it, the, uh, the amazing movie. the amazing flip it pulls on you at the ending where yes. like, a cop car pulls up and in any other situation yeah. you'd be like thank god but because of what's but, going on you're just like an extra nightmare on yeah. top of this oh you're, my you're god you're like no this is gonna end terrible for him and yeah and, and he flips that at the end it ends up not being what you expect but i almost yeah. feel like for it's that, just that film, feeling but yeah, but what's weird is I almost feel like the f- ending would have been better if they had had gone with the darker ending. Like I almost felt like it would have like r- like totally ran home the entire metaphor for the entire film. Like honestly, but I but it seems yeah, like yeah. and I and I heard he had thought about it, but he was like I think I had read he had thought about it. But he was like I just don't want to do that. <laughs> you know, it's like it would be so cruel, maybe. Like I don't know, but. I, yeah, like I wonder if they yeah, I wonder if they shot it and ran it with like yeah. audiences or not. But you know, funny enough, even just kind of the feeling, I feel like it deli- delivered the message home, at least it for did. me. I don't it think did. they had to take it all the way dark, especially because um through like just how awful everything that the character goes through is and all the imagery with like the hypnosis, it's all yeah. just so fucked up. Um, it, is, it is nice that he's gonna get away with it it's like yeah yeah it's <laughs> like, nice that it, yeah. he he survives it you know what i mean and it, it even adds some some levity to the end and there's a lot of levity in the movie it didn't feel out of place i guess you know? i'm just i'm just guessing just for those dark honest trouble things. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no i don't want him to Jeez. die i'm just like that he probably would though <laughs> right 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 sadly right. <laughs> No that movie launched a few careers too. Uh, oh, for not sure. only uh, Daniel Kaluuya, but who played his uh, the security guard? Uh, oh, Ray yeah, Howery. yeah, yeah. He, he's he, everywhere. He's, that guy is he, awesome. Yeah, he's funny and everything. I think he has his own show now too, from or that he's on too. From what I was does thinking. he? That's yeah. fantastic. I think he's on like a sitcom or something too. Yeah, he's he's doing good, good for him. Yeah, for real. Good right? for him. He's hilarious. And Kaluuya, I remember loving in that. I need to see more Black Mirror. I've only seen like four or five episodes, but he was in one yeah. that I saw that was magnificent. And I remember going, I don't know who this person is, but he's amazing. And then the next thing you know, actually, the reason I wanted to see Get Out, it was interesting to see Jordan Peele do a horror. That was fascinating. But when I saw who it starred, when I saw him with like that, the tear dripping and this, and the, I'm like, mm-hmm. that's the dude from Black Mirror. I'm like, I'm in. I'm like, like yep. two, I'm like two elements that I, I am already excited about. Like I'm in. I'm like, I knew this guy was gonna blow up. Like I was just like. He's yeah. so good. And we talked about this a little bit. I am so excited for Nope. Not Me only too. because it's Me a too. new Jordan Peele yeah. movie. I'm excited for anything Jordan Peele puts out at this point. Even though I didn't like Us as much as Get Out, they were still... Yeah. I thought Us was they okay. Were bo- I thought they were both just awesome. Yeah. Like, I, I really liked them. Um, but Nope, what I'm so excited about, this is a horror director who's been given the budget to shoot <laughs> a film in IMAX. I've never seen that in my life. And all of his films feel like what I like about them too is they feel like his own version of like each one feels like a film length episode of like a Twilight Zone episode. Yes, like that's what they feel like, and I and I yep. like that because I like I miss stuff like that, like stuff that's weird and interesting. Like us, I didn't like as much as Get Out. I thought it was okay, but I thought mm-hmm. the imagery and some of the shots and some of the interesting ideas within the film are fantastic. Like I love the shot of her pressing herself down on the glass mirror table and it cracks. Yeah. Like like it's such a gorgeous shot. Like it's so good. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but yeah, like he—he's a really interesting director, and I—and I love that each of his films, like I said, feels like a Twilight Zone episode. Like because shows like Twilight Zone and Creep Show and things like that, those used to be popular, and things like that aren't as popular anymore. And so it's interesting to just basically get film length episodes of like something weird yep. and they don't even all have to be tied together each one's its own unique weird little story <laughs> you know? like, yeah exactly. and i like it's, it i think it's fun yeah it's gonna be fun buying his box set like when you have a full body of workout and just, just kind of like watching it like a show yeah. you know yeah they should just call it like the peel zone or something <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> 
He, well, he had a, they gave him a Twilight Zone show. I, Apparently, I, I, it wasn't very good, unfortunately. Yeah, that's what I had heard. But the funny thing is, when they gave him the Twilight Zone after seeing Get Out, it didn't surprise me because I was like, this feels right. like a Twilight Zone episode. And then after I saw Us, I was like, see, this makes more sense because it genuinely does feel like each of his films is like something kind of like that, just like on a longer, a longer timeline, you know, like a, a full movie. Yeah, it yeah. really does for sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, <sighs> uh, I want to get back to watching some uh, some classic movies, man. Yeah, um, me too. Me too. Like, I'm ready, and now I want to see a few. There's actually a few. I really need to see Silence. Like, like you made me want to Please see watch more right now. I need I to talk watch about it every episode. I know, and I and I love Andrew Garfield. So the fact that I haven't seen it, and Martin Scorsese. So the fact that I haven't seen it is ridiculous, honestly. Yeah, yeah, um, it's it's awesome. The what I'm about to watch is they just put out season five of Better Call Saul. Nice on on Netflix, and that's that's my favorite thing on television right now. Oh, um, I've heard great things. I will watch it eventually. I think I'm just gonna wait till it's done, and then I might just start yeah. watching it so I can finish all of it. I'm I'm currently watching. I got Paramount Plus to watch the Halo show, which so far is okay. Um, but like I st- I watched Star Trek Discovery since that was on it, and the first season was actually pretty good. Um, so now I'm like they have all the Star Trek episodes, so I'm like watching like next generation and because i never really watched them because my mom loved them so much i i couldn't stand watching them because we always had to and now i like want to watch them so like now i'm going back and watching them all so i have so many seasons to get through these episodes i don't know what i want to do <laughs> you're like where am i gonna find all the time it's like 25 seasons with all the shows that there are it's like insane <laughs> like i don't know <laughs> i'm a crazy person who doesn't want sleep or or doesn't want any time left in its life <laughs> how are we it gonna how are we gonna finish this short film or like my comic book series i don't know. oh we'll find the time trust me <laughs> there's 24 hours in a day we'll find yeah them. this is true <laughs> but just so if you guys... we don't need to sleep we'll sleep later yeah i've tried that as i'm getting older that's harder and harder like i need my sleep for i'm like a cranky old man <laughs> <laughs> next i'm gonna be screaming at kids get off my grass <laughs> <laughs> i'm already there <laughs> <laughs> well hey guys just so you guys know i think right now our, our plan for the next episode is we're going to recommend each other like two to three films that essentially are films that we think are awful and at least one of those films will be awful but we still love it and we don't care we just love it anyway and then yes. one will be completely unredeemable <laughs> yes and we're going to recommend them to each other and this is something that we're going to uh, either the full scale or part of the next episode. That's going to definitely be part of the the uh, the prompt for next episode. <laughs> no, it's going to be a blast. Um, as always, <laughs> thank you so much for enjoying. Thank you so much for listening. Um, please uh, let us know what you liked about this episode. Maybe what you didn't. Uh, share it around. Yeah, um, sure. And we can't wait to uh, talk to y'all in a couple weeks. Definitely, guys. Yeah, please make sure you share it on social media and stuff because, honestly, that's our only marketing right now is y'all. So if you do like it and you want to support us, the best way is to tell people about it uh, and uh, just uh, share it, you know, so people can see it. So thank y'all. Appreciate you guys. And we will see you in a couple weeks. Until next time. Bye.